Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hello, Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds here for another episode of uh, Next Step Leadership. Uh, Tracy, uh, we have the honor of having a conversation again with Lynn Sweet. Uh, didn't you enjoy that last week? I have very much enjoyed the entire conversation. I love how everything he said pointed us back to Jesus and the centrality of the cross and clinging to him as as the answer. And it just reverberates with my soul. And I thank you for that. Welcome back, Dr. Sweet. Good to be back with you. Well, I was asking as we closed out, if you could just share some things for our our listeners as to ways you have kept your heart after God over the long haul, ways you've kept yourself in love with Jesus, because it's obvious, Dr. Sweet, that you love him more today than you probably did 50 years ago. Yeah, I tell my doctoral students that when they get done with me, I just teach doctoral students now, but I say, if you don't love Jesus more when you get out of this program than you did when you entered it, then I'll have been a failure. And, and um, so, yeah, even even the doctoral program, I think, is uh, that, that I do. And I do a Ph.D. and a D-min. I do a Ph.D. that I don't have that standard for. But my doctor of uh, theology and ministry, I've, all of them, uh, with the exception of the Ph.D., I just insist on... Um, this, this goal that we have, that we all fall deeper in love with Jesus as time goes on. First of all, I think one thing that has really helped me, and, and it came about as, a, as kind of a funny way, and as you know, both of you know, one of the hardest things for a speaker to survive sometimes is the introduction, and uh, introductions can get really, uh, which is a larger question, we don't know how to introduce each other. It's, it's a really terrible thing to say, but Christians are some of the worst people at introductions. And we don't know how to introduce, which is why we're so bad at evangelism, because evangelism is just basically introducing people to God. And if we can't introduce ourselves to each other, how, how you know how much harder is it going to be to introduce people to to Christ and and to God? And so, um, but this person was trying. I, I teach on the East Coast. I teach on the West Coast, and so I think they were trying to say I was bicoastal, but they announced <laughs> I was bipolar. <laughs> and when everybody laughed a bit, then they uh, kind of picked it up, and he, and he kind of got going on it. Well, I can riff, get more laughs out of this. And he lives a bipolar life and has a bipolar ministry, and and uh, and he must use the word bipolar five or six times, you know. And so then he sits down. I get up, and I'm going, well, what do I do? You know, do I mm-hmm. say I'm not really bipolar? But I looked out at the people there. There are a couple thousand people there, and I looked out and I said, you know, some. I'll bet you some of you are. And I'm going, so then suddenly I felt very protective of all the bipolars because I now was one of them, um, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't. And uh, so I did. I started to rebuke them that I'm not really bipolar, but I appreciated the compliment or something. I just let it go. And so um, I felt more freedom, by the way, in that, in that speech than I ever have in any other moment. <laughs> they're, they're expecting anything to happen. But... 
I think to be a follower of Jesus and to fall deeper in love with Jesus your entire life, you've got to be a little bipolar. And by that I mean my faith is becoming more simple. At the same time, my theology is becoming more complex. In other words, I'm going two opposite directions at the same time. I mean, every book I write, I'm adding more complexity, more nuance, more sophistication. I'm building this edifice. Some people say I have an edifice complex with my this whole theology that I'm creating. Um, and yet, at the same time as I build this complexity and and, and this sophisticated kind of structure for understanding who God is, at the same time, I'm becoming more simple in my faith, and it's all about Jesus. So I'm going two opposite yeah. directions at the same time, literally. I mean, Jesus said, unless you become as a child, as a child. become. It become. You, childhood is not something you grow out of. You grow into so I'm becoming, and I want to become more childlike, not childish, childlike mm-hmm. in my faith. At the same time, my desire is to, at the same time, um, complexify and nuance. And, and so I'm becoming more adult in my theology and more childlike in my faith. And, and that's one of the things I think that's kept me, uh, it's kept me fresh. And, and when I start getting too big for my britches, you know, and start departing from that uh, childlike faith, I uh, immediately uh, get off my high horse and uh, say, sweet, no. When you die, what's going to be on your lips is not all these books you've written and these you know, podcasts and, and vlogs and sermons. And what's going to be on your lips is, um, is the faith of a child and just give me Jesus and it's all about Jesus and and I love the Fernando Ortega rendition of give me Jesus you, know? mm-hmm. you can have all of my theology you can have all of everything else just give me Jesus so so that's one thing is just to to be open to being bipolar <laughs> if you will <laughs> yeah that's good how can we um add those together like right beside each other and live there you know i've talked to you about my latest book and just this whole life of uneven surfaces i mean nothing seems to fit but that's what god fits together he brings balance in the chaos it's like i want us to dream these big dreams and pursue be people of faith i mean read like hebrews 11 over and over again but then remember Jesus, when the, after the miracles, when all the momentum was happening, he went to be alone. That's another bipolar, I think. You know, Jesus, you look at his life, he's either with people constantly in society or he's in solitude. Mm-hmm. And it's society solitude. We all need solitude. And even in solitude, you're taking the world with you. You're taking your family with you, but it's still solitude. And then we need... We need socialness. We need society. We need face-to-face. So I call that the barbell, you know, big, huge ends, and you travel from one to the other, and, and this is how Jesus, and you, when you lift that barbell, society, solitude. We just need time, solitude at prayer, um, 
meditating, reflecting, ruminating, uh, just time in the scriptures alone, and then time in the scriptures together and reading it together. And so it's this lifting up these two ends, society, solitude. It's, this is a barbell, um, Christianity is a barbell um, bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Lynn, in recent times in my local church, I've sensed a real hunger for the Word of God. And let me qualify that just a little bit. Not just a superficial uh, understanding, but a, a, a craving for a deeper understanding, for understanding what was happening in the culture of that, what God was actually trying to say in the moment, and how does that uh, apply to me now? Are, are you seeing some of that? Yeah I, I, yeah, I am. And I'm especially seeing it with pastors who spent the last 30 years learning corporate principles, uh, strategic planning and all this leadership stuff. And suddenly they, after, th- and then COVID, re- that really helped them get through COVID, didn't it? And then, <laughs> then all of a sudden they realized, I don't know any theology. I don't, I don't know really, uh, do I really know the Bible? Do I know the stories of the Bible? I know, may know some verses, you know, but do I know, but verses don't, this culture isn't into words and verses, and this culture is into metaphors and, and stories, and and um, and so, yeah, I, I think there's a real wake awakening now to, wow, I need I need to really know, and I, I have some friends. I mean, they, they call me on the phone. They they have this thought, you know, and and they think they thought this for the they're the they're the first ones that thought this, you know. And I go, you really need to read Augustine, you know. I mean, <laughs> Augustine really spent a lot of time and good stuff on this. Oh, do you think I really need to read? Yes, you need. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're you're reading a lot of uh, Maxwell, but there's a whole other thing here called Augustine, who who may have something to contribute as much as John Maxwell. I mean, um, read some Augustine and read some Aquinas. And oh, I'm not sure I can read it. Well, trust me, you need to read Aquinas. You know. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's part of what we're seeing is that we've had a diet. A staple of corporate culture, and uh, we don't know our own story. Uh, we don't know our own traditions. We don't know our own heritage. We don't know our own heroes. That great cloud that you mentioned. Uh, that that we the world steals our best line. We had the cloud before they did, mm-hmm. uh, and the cloud of memory, the cloud of ancestors, the cloud of witnesses. Um, we don't even know them. We're in a relationship with them. Um, so yeah, I and I think it's a, I think that's one of the exciting signs if we can respond to it. <clears throat> yeah, well, I have uh, two questions uh, that I've been thinking about. Uh, just looking forward to this conversation with you. Um, the first is just an awareness of being guided by the Holy Spirit. I can remember one of the times that you and I were together at a conference and we were there before anybody else and it was just the two of us and there we were looking at each other and I, I just had this sense that there was something going on you didn't tell me I didn't need to know but I just was like can I pray for you now and then you responded and then you spoke words to me that you did not know why have we tried to push out that prophetic word, word of guidance, whatever we want to label it, 
but just being sensitive to the leadership of the wind of God blowing our way. Yeah, and I, I, I think this is the ultimate heresy of the culture, but it's also become the heresy of the church, is the notion that it's the trees that move the wind, that the most powerful forces in this universe are the material, physical forces. No, no, the power's in the invisible, the power's in the spiritual, the power's in the wind. The wind is what blows and, and bends and 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 and. and lines its way around uh, the trees and and the trees acknowledge the supremacy of the wind because when the wind blows they bow and they bend you know mm. so it's not the trees that move the wind it's the wind that moves the trees and and uh, so we've been tried to be every kind of driven church that we can be we've tried to you know be seeker sensitive and purpose driven and, and NCD and this is all tree stuff when, when have you talked about a spirit-driven church? You know, mm-hmm. um, when when is the last time? I mean, Jesus throws his temple tantrum. I, I don't think he's cleansing the temple; he's ending the temple. Is really what because he becomes mm-hmm. the new temple. But as he's as he's ending it, what what is he saying? He he's not saying, you know, you're discriminating against the poor, you're harming these animals. He's going, my church, my church will be a house of prayer. Yeah, we, we try to be every kind of church imaginable, but a praying church. I mean, there's a concept. What if we really took seriously the power of prayer? But again, you can't talk about prayer without the Spirit and about the invisible. And, um, and so we don't even trust the power of prayer because we don't understand the power of the Spirit. Not by might, not by power. Oh, but it is by programs. No, it doesn't say that. Not by might, not by power, not by programs. Uh, not even by process. I come from a tradition, trust the process, trust. No, it's not by my power, programs, processes, it's by God's Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's, why, why are we not positioned there um, yeah. and trusting the Spirit? We, we trust everything but trust the Spirit. Um, we trust the program, we trust the plan, we trust the, the, the project, we trust our bishop, or whatever. Um, but do we trust the Spirit? And mm-hmm. Now for me, though, in saying that, I, I talk about a holy braid. There's three things that have to go together. And I know this is problematic in some Pentecostal circles, but for me, the holy braid, the three that have to be twined together, that you cannot separate, is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and Scripture. Mm-hmm. And they are... When they're like this, they've got to be you know, braided because it's not just any Jesus. It's the Jesus revealed in the scriptures right. as, re, as revealed further by the Holy Spirit. And it's not the Holy Spirit, and this is the problem, some people say it's, it's not just the Spirit of Jesus. It can be another spirit. No, the Holy Spirit that I know of in the scriptures is the, always the Spirit of Christ. It's not the Spirit of Christ. It's not the Holy Spirit. It may be another spirit. So so that, for me, is the only caveat here when you talk about the spirit. It's got to be as confirmed in the scriptures and, and lifting up Christ. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Well, the second uh, emphasis uh, before we end, and I think it's a good way to kind of move toward our conclusion, is humor. 
uh, you've you have some great lines, and I love the way you play with words. Uh, you and I b- are both poets in different ways, uh, but the brains are, are are to be used creatively and artistically. But we have pushed away too often from humor. So talk to us uh, from your perspective about humor, biblically, historically, and practically. Yeah, well, Jesus had a really rich laugh life, and we totally uh, missed it. And I have no idea why uh, we can't see this. And, and uh, partly it's because the Hebrew humor is is kind of what gives us guffaws and, and you know, oh, no. You know, it's, it's based on puns. It's very uh, sardonic. It can be uh, somewhat uh, sarcastic. Uh, so it, the... But but the humor is there everywhere in Jesus. I mean, we think of him okay as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, but he was a man of laughter acquainted with with puns and jests and and he, he's jesting. I mean, he's he's punning. The church is founded on a pun. Petra on this Petra. I'll build my church. So for a church founded on a pun to have problems with laughter and humor, it means something's wrong with us. So um, uh, so the, it's the humor is everywhere. Um, and it just, it's, Jesus loves hyperbole, uh, you know, a camel through the eye of a needle. Um, it also was a pun in Aramaic. I mean, just, you could go on and on here. But I, 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 I you can take life seriously, but not solemnly. Hmm. And um, for me, humor goes along with, with being serious about life. To really be serious about life, you've got to have laughter. Solemn is another issue, and we got so many Christians that, that confuse being serious with being solemn. And um, you know, it looks like they were baptized in crabapple season. So many of them have faces that are so tense and you know drawn. And um, so I, I just um, I, I'm a big uh, just fan here of humor and laughter and. And it's symbolizing Jesus' first miracle. I mean, his miracle, we thought he's coming out miracles, a cane of Galilee. Okay. So what was the miracle? Well, the miracle was turning water into, well, I learned a grape juice. I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> um, so I try to tell Mother, Mother, did they have Welch's grape juice back in Jesus' day? Well, they had some kind of grape juice, I know, you know. Anyway, so. <laughs> but, um, but who was saved at this first miracle? Nobody. What sermon was preached at this first miracle? None. Who was healed at this first miracle? None. So what was the miracle, the coming out miracle, that shows Jesus is the Messiah uh, of the new kingdom? It was just a manifestation of let's, let's have a good time. And, and the Spirit wants you to enjoy God and to, and to bask in his pleasure and in his presence and just to have a good time. The, the abundant life is... Is not um, you know um, there there is sacrificial love involved, but that also takes place in the context of of laughter and lightness and and um, so I, I just uh, I'm a big uh, as as you know Chris I'm a big uh, some people are literally increasingly more and more people seem philosophically opposed to humor I mean they just don't like it and don't believe that it's a good thing and I'm going what story are you in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you in the Jesus story? I mean, uh, yeah. you're, you and I don't have the same Jesus story going, um, obviously. Mm. So. 
Well, speaking of stories, uh, Tracy and I love uh, hearing your stories. And uh, before we finish, I'd like for you to uh, tell our audience how they can find out more about you, uh, listen to you and your sermons, and and uh, find your books. Yeah, well, just Amazon has uh, has my books. I have a website, LeonardSweet.com, but I, I do a PreachTheStory.com. And uh, also I have a YouTube channel, just the Lent Sweet YouTube channel. And I've done, I do a, I call it a Lent Talk. It's really a lectionary vlog every week. And just show you how to do semiotics and read the scripture. And uh, it's a new way of reading the scripture, not taking it apart, but putting it together. Um, And so I'm just, um, I'll take a passage, but basically I'm all over the Bible in every Lent Talk. I'm Mm-hmm. Weaving everything together because I'm. It, what, what made, this is a good place to end. I what we've done. Everybody, I love puzzles, you know. And but the purpose of the puzzle is to put the pieces together. You know, it's not yeah. to make more pieces. You know, and uh, I, there's 500 piece puzzles, thousand piece puzzles, five thousand piece puzzles, and we've made the Bible into a what is it? Thirty one, thirty three thousand one hundred two piece puzzles. Is how many verses there are? <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, so we memorize the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle, but, but nobody's putting it together. No, there's patterns. There's, there's a whole picture here. And, and, um, and so that's basically what semiotics is. And you're putting all these pieces together. And so that's why I try and do every week, uh, in my, um, Lend Talk, which is on YouTube. So love to have you, have you join me there. Yeah. Well, we will link all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for well, your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. It's been fun with you guys. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, it's great to be with you, and, and you're helping us learn ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Center.